Hello Creative Wonders. Welcome to the Holistic Creative Podcast. My name is Kerry and I'm here to explore with you through wonder, curiosity and courage towards a state of being that feels like nature itself patterning through our daily lives. It's wild and it's exciting and it's also harmonizing. This year, Ike's Book celebrates its 35th birthday. The indelible bookstore has earned its right of acknowledgement as a kind of institute in Durban on the east coast of South Africa. It is a browsing hub to many academics because of its diverse and rich collection of books, both new and used, on the African and Indian diaspora, amongst an endless array of topics typical to any bookstore. The warren of rooms filled with books, trinkets and trunkets of all kinds, a piano, walls signed by authors from around the globe and an air infused with possibility that at any moment one might pull out a yet undiscovered treasure for the soul. It is a refuge for many loyal customers, whether they call themselves friend of the shop or friends of the bookshop proprietor herself, one can never really tell. One thing is for sure, where there are books, there are hopes and dreams and promises, and what more do we need to muster up magic? Today I am in the company of Joanne Rashby, who was a bookseller at Ajax for 14 years before she took up the opportunity to become its guardian. Jo, thank you for always welcoming me into your space. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for joining me for this holistic creative conversation. When I think back over the past two years as your neighbor in retail, which was how our friendship began, mm. it feels like it took quite some time before I discovered more about what you do outside of the bookstore. <laughs> I think because once one walks through that glass panel door, there are just so many touch points for conversation and wonder that customers don't really have a chance to become a bit more nosy about your personal life. <laughs> General topics for conversation seem to flow forth through cracks in the wall. <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be a naturally great conversationalist? <laughs> <laughs> or do you think the skill is something you've acquired through your experiences engaging with well-versed <laughs> authors, academics, and international book collectors? Gosh. Um, I would say that I'm quite a social being, I think, um, and also a private being. So mm. I don't know whether academics... And, I, I've been <laughs> rather intimidated by academics, but <laughs> I do love people, and I'm always interested in people. So I think when customers come into the shop, I get, I like to know where they're from, you know, if they're from overseas or just part of the community, mm. then, and obviously people do become friends like you. Mm. Um, yeah, so the conversation always seems to flow quite easily. And yeah. I could probably fill a book with questions to ask you about the mm -hmm. store and your experiences in it. But I'm going to leave that to you because there are murmurings among the archives that suggest, suggest you may finally be feeling yeah. enough of a nudge to write a biography of sorts for Ike. Yes. Can you share two recollections you might include in a book about Ike? I think the, the book launches and just the gatherings that like we've had so much over the years, like Cuban cigar and art evenings and poetry and music. I think the most memorable would be actually recently when we had a birthday party. It wasn't this year, it was a, 
last year. Mm. Um, and it was just after COVID. I think people were very desperate to be out socialising. Mm. Um, and there was this kind of energy, like positive energy amongst everyone who came in. Yeah. And, and then Melvin Peters sat down and started playing on the piano. And he just played Happy Birthday. And I had no idea who this man was, um, you know, living in Durban, just this great jazz pianist. And then he just started playing and it was like, wow, wow. <laughs> incredible music. And I sat actually at his feet at the piano and just gazed in awe of this man's fingers going up and down and, and people were swaying and dancing in the bookshop. And it just felt like really... Uh, something I'll never forget. Mm. Yeah, it was that a very was special amazing, moment. Sure. Yeah, and he came to play here a few times after then it, that. Then, obviously, he became. I mean, he was always at book launches, but he'd never really so unassuming. He yeah. never told me, or I, I didn't know who he was. Embarrassing, but. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> um, yeah, and then subsequently we've had jazz evenings, which have been really great, packed events. Yeah. So, I think, yeah, over the years, it's kind of. It evolves, new things come up, um, mm. we just try and adapt to what people want and hopefully mm. the community grows, mm. the energy grows and mm. the bookshop goes from strength to strength. Mm. So, and I've yeah, been so amazed a... at that how this how you can pull a crowd because those <laughs> evenings, both of us I think were amazed, like hundred people came and, and Durban to get people to commit to something is yeah. not always easy and then there everyone just came and they just I think it's, yeah. um, you know, Durbanites, they don't, there isn't that much going on, mm. but, you know, they're very supportive when mm. there is. So mm. um, it's, I think it's important for places like Ike's to continue mm. so that they do have an outlet because yes. it feels more like a community centre than a, yes, an art centre than anything else. But at, at the yeah. moment, yeah. everyone becomes this kind of family of mm. um, the bookshop, which is great. Mm. I don't feel particularly like, you know, it's mine. I feel mm. like it's everyone's yeah. and people come and help and clean glasses and clean up <laughs> and do do all the work, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a really nice feeling. Yeah. So writing up the memoir is going to be, it's, it's going to be tough, but I think <laughs> people want it too. Yes. And there's lots of photographic evidence. There's lots of... Memories, the bookshop itself is, you know, photographically brilliant mm. um, with all the antiques. Yes. So, yeah, it could become quite a magnum opus. Yes, <laughs> yes, we, we, we wait. <laughs> Apart from the tales and treacheries of an indie bookstore, mm. is there another <clears throat> tale you've dreamed of writing about? Mm, I do write. Um, I do write travel articles so and I love that I love exploring new places and perhaps one day I'll bring them all together and put mm. them into a my own memoir mm. I don't know whether it will coalesce with the bookshop but yeah. I've, I've been to many places around the world and it's one of the things I love doing is exploring mm. um, meeting new people of different cultures and that's yeah perhaps the travel book will come one day mm. Mm. and your your brother <coughs> one of your brothers is a mm. 
travel writer, mm. international travel travel writer for the Guardian. The Guardian. Yeah. Guardian. And you've been lucky enough to enjoy many trips with him. Yes. And uh, which of those was the most creatively inspiring for you? Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, feel free to mention more than one if it's, yeah. <laughs> if it's too hard to do. <clears throat> I think they're, they're, they're often very, very different. Um, it's often quite hard travel. There's no luxury or comfort. <laughs> um, I think Nepal, probably because I found it to be so beautiful and peaceful and colourful. Mm. Um, and just the, the interweaving of textiles, which also, I also love, and the temples and Buddhism, Hinduism, Zen, all together, um, was very inspiring mm. um, and I would love to go back so that that was that was a real highlight we went trekking in the Himalayas and then we also went to Mali on a music tour wow. and that was really incredible so we did a week of listening to just people on the streets and then a music festival on the river Niger and then the two of us went off on our own, traveling up the River Niger by boat, which was very eventful, <laughs> to Timbuktu, which many people don't realize actually exists. But yeah. <laughs> we, we went there, and I think that was, for me, very interesting because of the links between the manuscripts of Timbuktu, um, which they tried to preserve over the centuries. Mm. So we looked at these libraries, which were full of 14th century manuscripts, um detailing africa's dominance at that time in terms of astronomy literature history politics physics so it was you know as a book person that was a real mm. highlight wow. um, and again african textiles just blew my mind there mm. you know you see women dressed going to the shop in these incredible outfits like just beautifully made um, and pops of colour everywhere so yeah I did buy quite a bit of fabric there too, <laughs> which we subsequently got made into skirts and various things so I think those particular trips where it combines my passions mm. of textiles mm. colour um, and books obviously just seeing them alive in the world yeah and they, yeah. yeah and just to see people making things you know in, in Nepal we went to this village where they were making they were weaving out of nettles oh wow the so plants. the plant so they would strip the leaves off which they would subsequently use to make tea and then or lots of other uses and then they'd use the stalks and strip the stalks and somehow use this incredible plant mm. to weave cloth Everything you would never think was, of. No, yeah. and the village itself was completely cut off. So the only way to get there was to walk up a very, very high mountain. Um, and people were living up until their 90s in that village. Wow. Um, as soon as they got to 80 or 85, there were some mm -hmm. very, very fit people. <laughs> um, you'd often see them weaving bamboo on the, mm -hmm. on the stoop. So everything was made from bamboo. Wow. which they collected from the forest, obviously. Mm. Um, so this use of 
natural resources mm. are still being handmade, mm. like matting on the floor, made from bamboo. All the cloth that they used was made from goat or sheep hair mm. and still spinning. That was incredible yeah, to see. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. By hand. Something... Everything was done by hand. Sure. No machinery. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why. That is such a beautiful thing to, to it was, see, probably. It's just yeah. something like primal and original. And you don't see it very often anymore. Exist or so, yeah. And yeah. the practicality of it. So mm. it's not only that things were very beautiful when they were finished, but they were also just used as, you know, practical, like mats on the floor with as a flooring yes, um, instead yes, of rugs yes. or blankets, etc. Yeah. So marrying the two of mm. like natural resources and practicality, mm. I think is quite important, mm. especially now mm. Um, mm. when we realize, starting to realize that we need to go back to those skills. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. If people spot you at your computer while they're browsing books, what are you likely to be working on? <laughs> usually website stuff um yeah working on emails and i do also edit as well so i do quite a bit of editing um i write monthly column for the bugle so occasionally i'm busy trying to think up something for that <laughs> yeah your partner published author and academic the professor as you like to affectionately call him what is it like being a partner to an intellectual who is so driven and passionate about his work? Extremely difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes he gets frustrated with me because he is so driven. Mm. Um, and to sit at that desk like 360 days a year without fail and just always be writing. So I think he, he wants to push me and often motivates me to do those things, which sometimes I do need that extra kick. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and he sees the potential, I think, yeah. um, for me to write. Sometimes I just find it hard to get going. Mm. <laughs> I think, um, and, you know, all writers think like, find that hard. It is, it's yeah. hard to sit. Yeah, <laughs> and start. <laughs> yes. So do you feel that he influences your writing projects? Oh, he's way? extremely good. Um, if I write something as well, he's, he's a brilliant, brilliant editor. So he can add, he can subtract, he can suggest. And mm. he's very good at that. It's inspiring, actually, mm. to be with somebody who's so good. <laughs> oh. at the writing and process and I think he is encouraging which yeah he, like you said he does encourage you so that's yeah nice. <laughs> do you feel that your brother's writing career is also a source of inspiration for you yeah I mean he's um a very important huge part of my life um always has been I think the the natural the relationship that we have has become stronger over the years um he's always been quite a mad adventurer um and we see eye to eye with that because there's a there's a, like an inner child there mm. that you you always see things afresh um and i love that about him as well i think it's um it's a it's not easy to do that in life no um, mm. and keep doing it 
Yeah. And he's now in his early 60s. So to keep going, he just swam across the Amazon. Oh, wow. I know. Like, Gosh. <laughs> completely mad but sure. um you know those kind of things are quite motivating yeah yeah um to climb mountains to you know achieve these small goals in life like mm. as a child i think he would he always wanted to go to the amazon it was like, and now he's finally got there mm. <laughs> yeah so see someone living their dreams really. <laughs> completely yeah yeah, yeah. And I really think that people we choose to surround ourselves with influence and shape the way our art comes to exist in the world. Mm. So I think about times I've spent at Ike's. I mean, I would book, buy books here anyway, even if you weren't <laughs> my friend. But now I do come more often. And yeah. It's rarely that I come here and don't leave with something mm. that's caught my eye. Mm. And then if I think about that, those books become part of my inner melting pot mm. and the essence of which then flows over into what I produce. So, yeah. yeah, where do you find yourself looking for inspiration for daily living? Besides, obviously, like you say, your brother comes, mm. you're surrounded by those people. Is there anywhere else that you kind of look to oh, for inspiration? Yeah. The natural world, just mm. because I as you know i walk a lot yes. and and you only miss those if it's there's a tornado outside <laughs> do you miss your walk <laughs> exactly so even on a day like today which is raining and gray and dull for mm. most urbanites mm. for me this is like heaven <laughs> I, I would you know i'm the only one on the promenade and i don't know i constantly find inspiration when i walk mm. um, and it, it's the smallest thing the flowers the plants, the aloes, the dunes, something on the street, people carrying recycling. I find that that's my steadiness in mm. life, just to be surrounded by people who I don't really know, but mm. I see every day mm. doing their daily thing. And I think it's quite important for us to be rooted mm. in community mm. and not cut ourselves off. Yeah. So. I find inspiration from that and then also my daily life also consists of being creative with my hands mm. um, I've always been doing something with my hands yes can you please tell us a bit more about that sounds a bit dodgy these, but... <laughs> but these handmade creations yeah. you always yeah outside of the literature there is always mm. something else going on mm. um, I've been lucky enough to be the recipient of many of these handmade <laughs> items um so can you tell us about a bit about what those things yeah, are yeah so i suppose i've always been either sewing or doing tapestry or more recently in the last six or seven years knitting um which some people find a bit bizarre in durban but you can do <laughs> knit with cotton <laughs> i feel that, um i feel that's amazing it's been six years only and yeah. the, the level at which you're knitting and the intricacies of the patterns you choose yes are maybe incredible. slightly foolhardy sometimes <laughs> wow, no, it's i remember the first pattern i tried and i really bit off more than i could chew um and I, <laughs> then i'd suddenly realize okay be a bit more patient start slow maybe do a scarf first <laughs> um, and then it kind of grew and it it, it was also a, um, a mindset I decided mm. I wanted to stretch myself 
Um, so every project I did was, I wanted to do something new, like a new stitch, mm. a new pattern. So it was also about keeping my brain going um, yeah. and, you know, expanding my knowledge. So mm. the knitting has been a real revelation mm. because you have an end product, which you can see, mm. and then the process, and often the process goes wrong mm. um, and you end up unraveling mm. and that's part of life. Mm. It's like, mm. it teaches you such patience. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and to realize that, you know, it's never going to be perfect. Mm. It's, it takes time. Um, I often used to rush things when I was younger and now I think just, okay, there's no, there's no rush. Mm. It's the beauty is in the process mm. and the slow process. So at the moment I'm doing a knitting, a, a cowl, like a scarf that you just pull over your head. Okay. And um, that involves very unusual stitch work. So it's a challenge. It's a new challenge. For yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful <clears throat> analogy or way of looking at it. Mm. People who don't knit, you know, maybe we haven't thought about that, um, that part of. Yeah, it slows, the it slows life down to, and it's very therapeutic. So it, it's, again, it's that mix of practicality and beauty mm. um, and then having something at the end of it which mm. you know I understand why people want to make things just to sell for instance in yeah. terms of the, what they create yeah. um, for me it's not really about that it, that's I just love being creative with mm. my hands and mm. I've never been able to do to paint or I've tried <laughs> <laughs> so this is obviously my niche and yes. Um, yes. the tapestry, the, the cushions that I've made and, you know, strange outfits I've made. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's seeing fabrics and then thinking, okay, I could do something really amazing with that. Yeah. Um, and look unusual. I don't like to be mm. part of the mainstream, mm. first, I suppose. Mm. So yeah, it sounds a bit, your, yeah, you want to be different. Yeah. And that has been something that has been with me since, you know, teenage years. Mm. Um, my mum taught me to sew. She made a lot of my own, my clothes, which weren't very trendy at the time. But um, now I can appreciate the fact that I know how to do it. Um, yeah. And many people don't know no. how to even take up a hem. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a skill and one that I really cherish. Mm. Um, and then obviously translating fabric into outfits is, is a wonderful feeling. In general, you have a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> Which aspects of your daily lifestyle would you say keep you energized and also interested in making and creating?
Kami Connect, mm. Kami the Yoga. And because of lockdown, I think I just started, I got into this routine of doing it every day. Mm. And then I started to see the benefits and realize like how this made me feel. Mm. So it's now part of my part of my day. Mm. It's a bit like walking. If I don't do it, then yeah. I feel a bit odd. <laughs> Even if it's 20 minutes, you know, it depends how much time mm. I have in the morning. But mm. generally, I like to do 40 minutes in the morning. Um, and yeah, it's made a difference to my strength, mm. physical strength. Um, obviously, very calming influence. Mm. But I think that combined with walking, mm. make it does give me a lot of energy. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily need a lot of coffee, for instance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just I've always been very energetic person. I think yeah. um, I might flag in the evenings, but generally yeah. during the day I'm pretty I'm pretty up there. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> How do you feel? Being a prolific reader influences the way you move through life. We read things at different times um, and your tastes change. You, what you read at a particular time is how your, your mind is at that moment. So how it influences my life or other people's lives? Your life. My life. Yeah. How, how, because I guess we're yeah. all similar, so probably yeah, I think, um, for other readers. I mean... Obviously, being at the shop, it helps to recommend things to people, mm. although I do find that quite hard sometimes because <laughs> people often expect you to just say, OK, read this. It's brilliant. Yes. Um, and not your taste might not necessarily be theirs. And I've gone through different stages of reading. Now I like basically sitting on the couch on the weekend and just immersing myself in mm. the book. Um, we often tell ourselves we don't have time, mm. but we do mm. it's making time mm. so and then I also read I do read a lot around yoga and mm. I like reading cookery books <laughs> to give me inspiration in the kitchen yeah. um, and I love I love baking and cooking as well so mm. also a big part of my life being creative mm. books have always surrounded me mm. ever since I was small my mum taught me to read when I was four (laughs) yeah um and then it was that was it I just never looked back really um so it's been a big big part of my life constantly so I guess another way to add to that question is what do you think life is like for people who don't read as much (laughs) or what do you think all your life would be like I can't imagine actually you know with less reading just, what do you think your experience of the world, how do you think your experience of the world would, would be different? Well, I probably would try and find something else to do because I'm just naturally like that. Mm. But so, for instance, now I spend a lot of time knitting or yes. being creative in other ways. But I, yeah, I do find it quite odd when I go into people's houses and there are no books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where so do you get your information or how do you like... <laughs> Oh, how do you get into things? Like, like how do you escape? I mean, yeah, maybe it, that's the thing. It's always been um, an imaginative process, reading mm. and mm. escaping from reality or tapping into reality through books. 
Yeah, I would find it very, very hard. Mm. <laughs> and just being, I think, surrounded by books now for so long, they feel like in the bookshop, it just, they're all with me. Mm. Like they're part of me. Mm. Friends. Um, they're friends. <laughs> and I know they multiply behind my back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't seem to ever go down <laughs> how do you feel when you write the seemingly perfect sentence hmm. sense of real achievement yeah happiness joe thank you for keeping ike's alive and well a space where we can come to both gather and remember parts of ourselves in solitary browsing or through listening to great authors and musicians the shop really is the charm of durban and thank you for charming us with your light and vibrant spirits. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank and you. do you have a, a message for um, the customers and friends from Durban that yes. visit your store or who have yet to visit? I suppose a huge thank you to all the people who keep supporting Ike's. Um, it really means a lot to me. And they've, you know, customers have become friends and. I'm very, very lucky. Um, just keep positive about Durban because it's a great, great place. Mm. We need to just be hopeful. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Joe.